0: TheWellnessCoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is an eco-activist, a food writer, urban farmer and home cook. She wears lots of hats. She's passionate about preserving our heritage and passing on time-honoured traditions that she refers to as granny skills. She's just released a new book all about the art of making beautiful, simple products from scratch. It's called The Art of the Natural Home and I've got her on the show today to find out more. Please welcome to Shiny Healthy You, the lovely Rebecca Sullivan. Woo! Woo! Give a <laughs> applause. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, ready, ready. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Happy to oblige with applause. <laughs> uh, always, always. I've just got to set the scene for you, hon. It's actually a little bit cold. It's a bit chilly here in, in Byron Town today. So in honour of you and, and this whole granny skills conversation, I've made myself a cup of herbal tea, I've got my Ugg boots on and I've even got like a crochet blankie over my lap. I've gone Look full granny.
1: Full granny skills, mate. I'm, I'm well impressed. I have actually got a little bit of sunshine shining through the window right now, uh, which is quite nice because I was in Victoria a couple of days ago and it was pretty chilly there and uh, Adelaide's pulling out the sunshine but I am going to Tassie and I think it's going to be cold there so
0: yeah pack your uggies for that one huh pack my Trust uggies. I will I will I will so tell me how did all of this come about set the scene for me how did you oh, end up being so interested in this stuff
1: well I think I mean there seems to be quite and I do have this talk and this conversation quite a lot there's a few quite significant aha moments that that have occurred but the one that set me on this path of this granny skills I guess mentality and the way of um, sharing skills and knowledge came after having worked in food and, and food ethics and sustainability for the good part of it probably would have been five or six maybe seven years and I still haven't quite found my niche I knew I wanted to talk about sustainability and ethics and I had been, you know, sort of getting arrested for protesting and all of those things <laughs> that you do. Yeah. when Cue yeah, applause. <of flaws>. Uh, <laughs> found that it was, um, it was a little bit. T- I was doing the preachy thing and not so much the passionate thing, and and um, I think when you're passionate about something you can come across as preachy so I had to find that balance and and then my my significant aha moment was losing my great-grandmother Lil and uh, she was 100 when she passed away and apart from being very upset about her passing away which naturally would happen it turned out that my mum sort of kept me a bunch of her things and it turned out she was this award-winning baker in London so she'd won all of these medals and I had never seen her cook And from there and in that moment, you can imagine my little heart sort of shattered into a million little pieces in thinking, golly gosh, I work in food and I'd never seen my grandmother cook. And it was like this instantaneous thing where um, I just knew I had to do something about that and that I couldn't possibly be the only person that had regret in not spending time with their elders. And it, it all sort of started there. And from there it grew into I guess this granny skills movement and I always get asked how to be sustainable and I started thinking about that question and I thought who to me is the most sustainable and turns out it was sort of my grandma and not because she was a hipster and you know wore a (laughs) 10-man pun but because she had no choice when she was a young adult raising five kids she had to eat locally and eat seasonally um, because there was nothing there was no choice you know asparagus wasn't getting thrown you know, flown in from Chile in the middle of uh the wrong season and, and she had a no waste rule because she couldn't afford not to live that way. And in that moment I went, Oh, that's very in line with my one of my food heroes, Michael Poland and Alice Waters and all of those amazing people that speak about, you know, if your grandmother doesn't recognise it as food, it's not food. Um, eating locally, eating seasonally, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't need to bang on about that. But
0: that's sort of where it all began. Yeah, right. It's so weird that um, with Lil's cake skills and everything, that it was just under your nose the whole time and you didn't even know. Right.
1: Exactly. And, and I know having had conversations with people and public speaking and, you know, um, radio interviews and stuff, when people call in or when I'm in a room giving a public talk, I watch people well up. And I'm not exactly. trying to intentionally make them cry, but I watch people get incredibly emotional about this topic because so many people just don't don't think about, you know, the inevitable. The fact of the matter is we're all going to bloody die at some point, you know. We're all going to get old. And not keeping hold of some of those, um, yeah. those precious moments or asking those
0: questions can often end in regret. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. It's so, it's so, true. so true. It's... It's funny, my grandmother, one of my grandmothers was an artist, a painter, mm-hmm. and, yeah, mm-hmm. that was one of my biggest regrets is not spending more time watching how she did her oil paintings mm-hmm. and learning those skills. I was just mm-hmm. that little bit too young and not quite interested yet. It's funny, as we get older, we become more interested in this stuff, don't we?
1: It's so true. It's so true. I think, I think also as we get older, we um, we realise how hectic life is and taking a step back and that's when you realise that actually that era, uh, our grandmother's generation post-World War Two or whatever, when um, were actually probably some of the healthiest I, I get and people go, oh, what about the sugar? What about the fat? What about this? Well, yes, but that was all in, in moderation and processed food wasn't quite a thing then. And that's, in my personal opinion, what's been the demise of of all of us. But taking a step back and learning some of those skills... People's perception is often, um, you know, that it takes too long to do all of these things. Why would we not take advantage of technology? Um, I think we've lost connection with community through technology. Technology has its place. I'm not going to pretend that we're all going to go back to days of storing our food in a larder and not in a fridge or any of those things, but these skills like pickling and preserving um, and fermenting are all super good for us. They're economical and I would argue that my nan, you know, she had five five kids and three jobs and she still did some of those things and she still cooked from scratch. Um, and this is not being judgy or, t- you know, people that don't do that are in the wrong. I'm just saying that I think our priorities have shifted um, yeah. and I think that's a pretty fair call.
0: Yeah. Why do you think these skills got so lost? Is it just technology or is there more to it? Did we get too busy? I think
1: um th- there's a combination's a huge am- a combination of things and I actually started a phd looking into the topic which i've had to withdraw because i got too busy <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, the irony <laughs>
1: oh, the irony um for now um and it's a combination of things um not having elders live with us Grannies and grandpas used to live in the family home um Home economics is disappearing from schools, so um, we're not necessarily taught how to make a fruit salad or microwave a pudding like we would have been <laughs> in home <laughs> economics. I'm just joking about that, but it does happen. Um, it's it's um, you know convenience, technology, things like social media. Um, I mean, why? For a lot of people, they don't see. Well, for a lot of people, food isn't. For me, food is. You know, food is everything. It's it's um. It's culture, it's politics, it's, it's joy, it's sharing, it's community. It's more than just fuel for me and I get that it's not that for everyone. There are a lot of people that prefer to just eat their food and not think about it and that is absolutely fine. But um, I think we've lost a lot by not valuing the, the skills and letting them slip by. So there are a million and one things as to why it's happened. Um, But I think people have had enough. I think people are sort of throwing their arms up and they're wanting to take a step back to a little bit more simpler life because it has gotten hectic and we're constantly, we've got ads in our face, we've got um, very smart technology that knows exactly how to get us, suck it in, (laughs) so the news feeds, all of these things. Um, You know, but, I mean, an example is I had great piece in the guardian um about the new book um my new book and but i got trolled straight away because i had written um in this piece that i was overwhelmed by and part of this journey was about me me and the confusion in reading back labels i think if everyone was taught how to read the back label of a food or any product for that matter right from being in you know, primary level, we'd all be in a lot less strife as well, not just from an obesity perspective but, you know, all of the illnesses that are going around. So many of them are connected to what's in our home. And I got trolled and told off because – I wrote something like, um, you know, sometimes reading the back label of a, of a product can be like deciphering the Da Vinci Code. And <laughs> someone trolled me and said, well, how are you qualified to comment on this issue if you can't even read the back label? And I was like, oh,
0: my oh god!" My
1: and another one which made me laugh, oh, lemons aren't even in season. I'm like, well, they are in Australia.
0: It <laughs> might not oh be in the
1: UK. And I sort of am like, oh, you know, it's a little bit frustrating because – I don't want to be, be you know, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I'm none of those things. I'm just someone that wanted to have um, a natural home, you know, that, that knew my grandmother could clean with bicarb and lemon and do a bloody good job of it and went, well, why am I not doing that? Do you know what I mean? So, sorry, I went a little bit off track top there, <laughs> which happens every now and then when I get a bit enthusiastic and handsy. Um, we love so you- that here. We
0: love that here. <laughs> I have to congratulate you too, Rebecca, on getting trolled. Well done. Thank you. Because because it's a sign. Yeah, 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 exactly. You have officially arrived. I remember the first time I ever got a hater. I yeah. had a little happy dance because I'm like, they've noticed me.
1: <laughs> yeah, buddy. I'm virtually half-fiving you across the Skype right now. Yeah,
0: woman. Yeah. yeah you yeah. hit the big time. You've got the trolls. <laughs> Don't you find, you
1: sometimes like uh, it's hard um, when you put your heart and soul out there into something so public, whether it be through a podcast or writing something or painting something or anything, you know, um it's hard not to get emotional about it. Like, So my mum told me about these comments because I'm not going to go on there and look. Um, but I, you know, I get a bit teary about these things sometimes because, because I'm not and never have claimed to be someone who's going to cure your health or any of those things um, and I'm just putting my and I constantly am referring back to my personal opinion but it's hard not to get emotional about it because you really, I really care about it. Um, sharing stuff with people and learning from people. And sometimes it just gets a a bit like, oh, how do you not take that personally sometimes? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I also think that if you have touched a nerve in the troll, then Mm -hmm. it also means that you're making change happen. Deeper yeah. Levels like if the Absolutely. trolls have noticed, then other people notice too. And yeah. you know, you know, the the troll people don't have to take your advice. It's yeah. everyone else who reads it that that yeah. you want to reach. And the fact that you're reaching a couple of trolls out there tells me that you're reaching so many more people as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Mate. <laughs> yeah. So, so why do you think people are so ready for this? Like, because there is such a resurgence in all this stuff. Is it that we we're craving that connection again? Oh, 100%. I think if I had
1: to put this out there, like my first book, like Grandma used to make, I think um, hit things sometimes I think maybe just a touch early, but um, I think there is a tipping point right now going on and people um, are fed up being lied to by marketers, um, lied to by by misleading labelling, sick of not knowing their neighbours, um, you know, I, I think people have just gone, I I'm done. I am done. I want something different. I want to live my life differently. And yes, I think we're at that right that time where something I don't know, I'm I'm not gonna speak in revolutionary terms, but there's something beautiful happening right now. Um, there really, really genuinely is and and I'm super excited about being part of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I think if you look back a couple of generations when things were a bit more simple, people seemed a lot happier.
1: Mm, Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, back in, oh, God, I remember when I was young.
0: Oh, my God. We're (laughs) going full granny. It's the crochet (laughs) blanket that's doing it.
1: It is, isn't it? I mean, it's just like I, I walk down my street, and there's no kids riding bikes, or no one running in sprink- under sprinklers in the back garden. There's there's no one dropping off you know box of lemon boxes of lemons on my doorstep because they've got too many on their tree, and and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because that's how I grew up, and that's certainly how. I would want, if I have any children, my children to grow up, you know. And it's sort of a bit sad sometimes. My grandma, I remember my we i pretty much lived at my nan and granddad's house growing up and such fond memories of playing with the entire street full of kids you know and eating fruit directly off their chair and you'd always be at someone's house at at supper time or afternoon tea time conveniently whenever there was cake of course us kids were always there (laughs) but you know you, you you that's the way we lived we lived in each other's community in each other's neighborhood in each other's homes um I, I suspect where you live, you might have a little bit more of that in, in old Byron Town potentially.
0: So much more. I'm actually in Bangalore, which is in the hills behind Byron, yep. and yep. oh lordy, if you want that, move here. Seriously, yep. what Mate. what you just described yep. was what we have, and it was yep. it was actually overwhelming because we we moved from um, inner city Melbourne, mm. uh, where we were one in a block of eleven flats, and. I think we knew two other neighbours out of that 11 mm. and no one else really spoke to us mm. and I don't think we looked that scary. You know, we've got a yeah. couple of tattoos but we don't look that scary. <laughs> Mate, I'm covered <laughs> in them at the moment. <laughs> and, then, and then we moved to Bangalore because we wanted, we wanted a better fun. life but we didn't realise how much of that we were going to get. It was actually overwhelming. Like we couldn't walk the dog without having a chat with someone and people are swapping food and it's beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and why isn't it happening in the city?
1: Well, this is this is my question. I, I'm constant, I've been. Um, I was up your way in February. I've been a couple of times, work wise, and I fell in love with the place instantaneously. I mean, there's not just an energy there that comes from. I think the earth There's an energy from the people, and um, you know, if you navigate all the hipsters, of course, just jokes, just jokes.
0: Um, hey, <laughs> I, I watch it, mate. I'm, I'm married to a barista. I just born you now. Oh, <laughs> of oh, course, right. He's I'm not married a hipster.
1: To a total hipster. <laughs> I'll come on, he is just, just. Just be truthful here he 's a total hipster. come on no i 'm just kidding i loved I loved Byron in that hinterland region for that very reason, and this is all part of this sort of granny skills idea. I hosted a pickling class at the Henley Beach Library last night. It was completely booked out. it was thirty people. The library offered it for free um it it was people of all ages and it it was wonderful and um and those sort of things are the example of the little things that are happening but you just kind of have to look for it a bit harder I think somewhere like where I live whereas you go to Byron and it feels like the entire place is like that does that make sense so I think you have to do a bit more digging when you live in urban areas um But there is more and more of it. There's so much amazing things going on in South Australia where I live, a huge amount of it. You just have to dig a little bit harder and be part of those sort of networks. But my idea with the Granny Skills program, so we started trialing it as a program um, whereby we would place grannies into um, schools that didn't necessarily have home economics. Oh, my system. God, home.
0: you didn't. Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. So we did it in seven schools in Victoria and one in South Australia, just because I didn't want it just to be this nice fluffy idea of, oh, let's protect our granny skills. I wanted to prove that there was this necessary place for it. Um, and... It turned out with my intention being granny's teaching kids to cook, you know, nothing more than that. I guess an extension of, I I had known from meetings with the Stephanie Alexander Foundation that the, their biggest hurdle was always volunteers not get not having too many. They've always got volunteers, but having volunteers of a particular age that had lots of time. So. They needed the people that were time-rich, and they were my oldies, right? And so it started with this idea of putting them into schools and they would teach how to cook. And then through many conversations with schools and aged care homes, we did one pro, one term in one school where we teamed the school up with the local aged care facility, and bearing in mind this is a proper aged care facility, so this is, you know, 80-plus-year-old people, a lot of them with with illnesses Um, A lot of them are not able to walk properly, so lots of Zimmer frames, um, lots of them without family. And it was the most wonderful thing you have ever seen. So their last assignment, the kids, was to cook a long table lunch for 30 of the aged care residents. They had to research what their palates could accept and take and dietary requirements weeks leading up. Um, And then... After the lunch, after they'd served them the three-course lunch, each of them was assigned an oldie to spend 45 minutes with and then they would have to write an essay about that oldie's life. Oh, my God. How old were these kids? These kids were all teenagers, gawky, you know, awkward teenagers that care about <laughs> boys and girls and, and phones. And throughout that whole term when they, they had a pickling and preserving comp- um assignment where they had to also enter that into their local show to learn about community and agriculture and the way the seasons worked as well. And they had a waste challenge too where they had to bring things from home and um, turn them into a feast. And this is what the grannies would come into the schools and, and teach how to, you know, make bubble and squeak and all of those things that your nan knows best, how to, how to crochet a beanie, those sort of things. But But what happened in that moment is I saw the way this program span on its head and turned into being less about what the kids learn and more about positive ageing. And these oldies got so much out of it. There were so many tears and so much joy. And the nurses at the nursing home said to me for the 10 weeks that these guys were involved in this program that they had not complained about their ailments like they would normally. Oh, my God. Is that not proof that all it takes is a bit of love from your community feeling feeling you know um feeling like you've got a place in community that you're not wasting away in some nursing home um you know that's all people want right that's all people want and it was amazing and if i can find someone to um give us some grant money then we want to try and make this a more formal program because it, you know it was incredible incredible the most incredible thing i've ever seen today and the most wonderful thing i've ever been part of for sure
0: you know what yeah. my, my mind is actually blown like i thought we were coming on this show today to chat about how to get labrador stink out of a carpet
1: <laughs>
0: and we're going to do that i hope <laughs> we kind of
1: ventured off into, into, into um, Granny Skills territory and sometimes it's a point of no return. So
0: <laughs> No, but you're so right. You're so right. Um, I, I don't know. You've you probably heard on the news that recently we had some floods just up the road here in Lismore mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, some women in Bangalore uh, put out a bit of a call and started a Facebook group to start making food to send up to Lismore because it's only like 20, 25-minute drive from here. So we're like one of the closest towns. And mm. so a bunch of women got together and, you know, you could go and grab, like people would take produce over and then other people would go and pick up the produce and make the food and drop it back and put it Amazing. into portions and send it up to Lismore. And I got my mum in law involved because she doesn't, have, she's only like mid-70s. She's not old, old, old. Like she, she can get mm. around, she can drive, she can lift things still, Um, but she's a bit bored. And, mm-hmm. and I, I bet. She seemed to be at a bit of a loose end and she rang me up and was like, oh, do you want to go shopping up the Gold Coast? And I was like, mm, not really, but do you want to come and help me make some food for the people in Lismore? And she got right into it. Like we made food that day and I thought that was going to be where it ended, but she started getting like – fully invested like going and getting picking up the produce and taking it home and making yep. soup and then taking because it back. Because She had purpose. And she was she happy. She's so happy and yeah. she yeah, it was the purpose and the feeling useful and yeah. the, and that connection, you know, having a quick 2-minute yeah. chat with the people when you dropped off the food and 100%. Yeah, she was honestly I was I was really sad when it ended when they started scaling it back mm-hmm. because I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's the happiest mum has been in so long."
1: Yeah. And that's, that's my biggest. Sad. It's so <laughs> sad. And that's my biggest fear getting older is getting to a point where I can't any longer contribute um, and share and learn and, God forbid, have no family around. Um, you know, my biggest fear is ending up in a situation where I'm in a nursing home, sat staring out of a window 90% of my day. Yeah. You know, that is my greatest, single greatest fear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we better make sure that whatever you do before that has got lots of purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, and
1: it's and it's all part of this bigger picture, isn't it? Of of, um, you know, things, of community and, um, of, of well being and, you know, these these are important things and our health leading to. You know, the way we live now and all of this natural stuff is leading to so, the non-natural stuff is leading to so much illness in society. Um, And then you end up in that position where you end up, you know, having to be cared for or whatever because you're sick. And so that's why it's so important. It's so important that we take this step back and think about the things that our grandma used to do that made us healthier and happier. I think happy is a key thing here. It's not just what we're putting into our body, you know. The interaction with our community is so important and part of our mental health, you know, and that's always something that we don't necessarily talk about enough, the the mental health stuff.
0: Well, I think it's been proven that happy people are healthier anyway, so one's going to lead to the other.
1: Mm -hmm. And and you would know about that, you know, being a, being a naturopath, like it's just a given, isn't it? It just makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really does. It really does. So let's chat about what happened next. You said about collecting recipes and tips for this new book. Yeah. So how, how did you, how did you find all this lost stuff?
1: Well, I guess I, the the last book was more food oriented, but, When you bang on about what you put in your body by way of what you consume and eat, I started thinking about a comment Carlo Petrini, the founder of Slow Food, had made about what you put on your body being just as important. And I started thinking about the oodles of cosmetics and skincare and creams and, you know, drawers and drawers and drawers full of the latest this and the latest that and the way I could never read or understand any of the back of what was in it. Um, And even when I bought the more – well, once I became obsessed with only buying the natural stuff, I still didn't quite understand some of it. Do you know what I mean? Because they have to use different words to describe different things and I started adding up how much that it all costed me and I thought, well, if I bang on about what we consume, surely I should be banging on about what we put on our skin as well because it all goes into the same place or what's under our kitchen sink, we breathe it in. And often, you know, the breathing in and putting into our skin, I mean, that goes into your circuit into your bloodstream just as quick. So I started to just read like everyone, you know, that knows something, you only know something, you know, we're not reinventing any wheels here. You just learn and then you play around with recipes yourself and you adapt things and you go, well, actually, I don't like the smell of that. So I'm going to use this and I don't, can't afford that this week so I'm going to try it with this and and eventually you end up looking like you've got a chemist in your house Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all your friends become guinea pigs but um, for the most part everything in my new book which is called the art of the natural home is just an extension of granny skills in in for the rest of the home you know like I said earlier my Nan, you know, cleans everything with vinegar, lemon, and bicarb, and I used to think it was hilarious. But now I think she's the smartest woman on the planet, along with all the rest of the grannies that still clean that way. You know, they, they're, they're not stingy. They were just bloody smart, right? Yeah. Um, this isn't just about environmental stuff. This is about economical stuff. And I think, um, you know, I've got this recipe for homemade blusher, which is literally just arrowroot powder, raw cacao. That's the base, and you don't even have to add color. It just sort of looks a bit, bit like a bronzer. You can just add mica powder to that, or beetroot powder, or rose powder for a bit of color. And it costs like you know a dollar thirty versus forty dollars for a compact, you know, of of blusher from from the shop. And I just thought, well, not only does it save me money, I know exactly what's in it. It's completely traceable. And I bloody smell like a chocolate bar, triple win. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> people walk past me and you see people like turn a bit and go, where's that chocolate smell coming from? <laughs> it's from my cheeks. <laughs> or now from my hair because someone told me that you can use cacao and arrowroot for dry shampoo and it You're works
0: for You're kidding yeah. me. Oh, my
1: God. I'm not kidding you. So every time you wave that, you know, beautiful hair, a woof of chocolate comes out. <laughs>
0: that's awesome
1: (laughs) yeah it's amazing huh so so really I mean I'm I like I said not an expert I just wanted as natural a home as possible I started throwing stuff away and thought well I have to replace it in some way shape or form played around with things that I already had in my cupboard cupboard anyway you know most of these things people have in their cupboards Um, and once you've got them in your cupboard then then you can start playing around and experimenting anyway. And I'm not telling everyone to go out and throw everything away and start from scratch. I think, you know, baby steps, um, you do one thing and then you get excited by, you know, how clever you are and uh, how much money you've <laughs> saved and how yummy your house smells. Um, and and you kind of get a little bit obsessed with it. Yeah.
0: And so you, this has allowed you to get rid of a bunch of chemical-laden products out of your home, right?
1: Oh, 100%. I don't – I would be hard – I don't think I have any chemicals in my home. Um, And Damien, my boyfriend, is an obsessed washer of clothes, et al. And um, he keeps trying to buy, you know, the bleachy stuff to bleach his whites. And I won't let him. (laughs) <laughs> um, because bicarb works, um, and so does Lemon, and so I just won't let him because I, I'm like, put your money where your mouth is, Rebecca. You know, if you're going to tell people to do it and you're going to write it in a book, then, you know, you've got to live it, don't you? you got to walk the talk. <laughs> you've got to walk the talk. So, um, and I'm looking around my house at the moment going, oh, I hope I haven't got – pr- I'm pretty certain I haven't because I chucked everything out so that I could write this book, do you know what I mean, so that I could write these recipes um, and play around with everything. So – it's you know it, everything in this in, in this book is the base for people to start from and then i like most things you know if you if you cook from scratch you always play around with recipes don't you you know you take one thing out and add a little bit something else you've got in your pantry I mean, that's the only way I know how to cook is is like my nan. It's a bit of this, bit of that, pinch of this, slop of that, whatever's in my fridge, it all goes in the pan sort of thing. Do you know what I and mean? And there you go.
0: That turned out well, and yeah. I don't know what's in it, so I and can't I put had it in. I have no the book. idea.
1: I totally should have written that down. I've done that so many times, I cannot even cannot even count.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's what I do too. And then I've, I've I've got this end dish, you know, this end result, and I'm like, this is amazing oh, crap, I've got to try and recreate this now for the blog. What am I going to do? <laughs> so
1: true. Well, my, my great-grandmother, the Lil, who I was talking about earlier, so her award was for her Victoria sponge, and um, we didn't have the recipe written down anywhere. We 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 had it, but we couldn't really decipher it. So Nan and I had to spend some time in the kitchen trying to make it based on what she'd seen. So she'd seen her mum make it but then once grandma lil got a bit older nan started cooking so and i remember the moment so clearly that we nailed it because her little face lit up like a christmas tree when she tasted it she was like that's the one that's the
0: recipe
1: (laughs) yeah and the recipes that i get off my nan i can't read she's got doctor's handwriting um i have had to ask her to convert because it's all just you know no measurements it's a pinch or a or a handful or, um, you know, do you know what I mean? Like most of her recipes are that way. So, um, and that's how I sort of learned to cook as well. So I've had to really, I guess, um, make a massive effort when writing recipes to try and try and try. And that's why I'm a, it's it's just hard sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to write it down concisely. I don't know how. I've (laughs) I've
0: written down recipes for hubby like that, you know, so that he can make things that are, you know, some of my staples and, yeah, if you write a pinch or a spoonful or a you know mm-hmm. a handful he's like well whose hand how big like a big <laughs> pinch a little pinch I'm like oh come on but <laughs> not yeah it's a, boy a different thing isn't it it's but it's so a logical language. it's yeah, yeah 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 we need to know exactly exactly
1: so logical oh, yeah absolutely that's such a such a bad thing,
0: yeah now, I don't mean to cause a stampede or anything, but there's <laughs> actually a really kick ass looking bacon recipe in your book as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love bacon oh um. God. Look, I am I'm a very um, – if I don't know where my meat comes from in particular, I don't, won't eat it. Um, that's, that's my hard fast rule has been for over a decade. I have a pig tattoo behind my left arm that is, has the butcher marks in it. I'm a big believer and if you're going to eat it, you respect the beast, you eat the whole thing, um, eat a little bit of meat and eat the ethical kind um and and that's been you know part of my life for a really long time and something that you know I definitely less meat than I ever have um definitely eat more plants and all of that jazz but when I do eat meat I'm gonna know where it comes from and I found bacon to be one of those things that really really was tough for me to buy because Certainly when I lived in the UK, um, most of the bacon, not so much now because Jamie Oliver was incredible. He had this amazing um, bacon campaign that was about buying British bacon because the standards in Europe of how to raise a pig are very different to the UK. Um, Most bacon coming out of Europe is actually soused or raised, so they're in a little box their entire life, um, and that is not normal. So... I would rather buy a piece of pork belly and make it myself and that's where that came from. And that recipe um is in my other book as well, but just a little bit of a different marinade on it. Um, because I'm obsessed with bacon. <laughs> that's the bacon story. And it is so easy to make yourself. And it means you can have control over, you know, not using nitrates. You can use um old-fashioned methods of curing, which is all about salt or sugar or vinegar, and it's, you know, super easy. You just make the marinade, put it in a plastic Ziploc bag and turn it over once every day for seven days and, boom, you've got bacon after you dry it out in an oven. Do you know what I mean? So easy
0: and yummy. It's not even
1: that hard. hard. It's not hard. And it's going back to that, you know, uh, traceability, transparency, um... Look there are a great number of amazing artisan bacon producers out there now um, who are doing things using free range free range pork um, free range pig, which is great um, and when I can't find the free range pig stuff, I'd just rather make it myself.
0: Yeah yeah what other recipes what other re- are in the book that you really love?
1: from blusher I mean I always talk about that because it
0: just makes me
1: so happy my brothers always pay me out because I'm always laden with blusher that's my one thing that um you know I wear a lot of (laughs) I look like Marie Antoinette Mm -hmm. big pink oh gosh I mean everything from um you know just little tips of from a no waste perspective in putting herbs in ice cube trays and covering it with olive oil and then when you go to make something with olive oil you pop it out into the pan and you've got some herby olive oil which is just one of those things like using your leftover coffee putting in ice cube trays and making a nice coffee um all of the the um remedy sort of stuff like stingos and burn salve um they're all just things that if you do a lot of reading they're the things that you find out that are good for those for the to keep the mozzies away or to stop a sting And you just play around with a mix of oils and you try it out and it works. But recipes like that, like burn salve, if you've really burnt burnt yourself properly, you're not going to use this. You're going to go to a doctor. Do you know what I mean? But if you've made some um, and and you get a little tiny burn that you know you don't need to see a doctor for, this sort of stuff helps. Um, And it's just easy – Nothing in here is super time-consuming apart from making some chutney, for example, because you have to leave it on the stove for a while. But that's something you can put on the stove and then leave for four hours and go and do some work. Natural food colouring was something that bothered me immensely because, I mean, my my brother growing up had such a reaction to food colouring. He would be like Dennis the Menace um, on crack, so... Like threefold, <laughs> the worst lemon meringue pie was his thing. He would, and we couldn't figure it out. But he he embarrassed my dad significantly at a staff party once, whereby he had some lemon meringue pie and he literally went up. He hates me telling the story, but it's very funny. Went up to the boss's wife. She was sitting down. Put his head in her lap and went like that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And that was from lemon meringue pie. So. These natural food colouring recipes are just you know, they they're gonna have a less shelf life than, than the artificial ones. But you just make them as you use them and you make them from things from your pantry. Like turmeric is bright yellow. All you need to do is boil it up and put that through your cake instead. Do you know what I, so it's super easy, super simple. Um things like wood polish, just using Olive oil and a little bit of vinegar and some orange oil because it smells yummy. Putting it in a spray bottle and it actually works. It really works. Um, moths, keeping moths away. You know, no one likes their cashmere jumper to have a hole in it, do they? <laughs> no. So things like rosemary and lavender and dried citrus peel, and just put in an old pair of stockings and chucked in your cupboard instead of. Have you smell how toxic those um, mothballs can smell? There's beautiful little wooden ones you can get. Those ones are great as well. They're they're way more eco. But some of them, and this is this is my point earlier. Some of these things just smell toxic. Yep. yep. And if they smell toxic, then just throw them out because they're bound to be. Um, the perfect one would be your oven spray. That's one of my my pet hates is the awful oven sprays and, and they just smell awful and you cough when you spray them. You can use bicarb in your oven. It works a treat, bicarb aminia. Um, you know, those little plug-in things. I heard a story the other day, I don't know how true it is, but that those plug in air freshener things are one of the worst things ever we could possibly have yep, in our home. Yep.
0: Yeah, I agree, yeah. I agree.
1: Um, yeah, you probably know more about that than me, but I only heard that recently and I was like, well, it doesn't surprise me. It smells awful. It smells fake.
0: Yeah, so many things, so many th- It's not even that hard. Like all the stuff you mentioned would fit into one little bit of kitchen cupboard.
1: <laughs> Definitely, absolutely. And I, I live in an ap- apartment. I'm lucky enough that my mum and dad live on a farm, so I go up there to, um, to – to spend as much time as I can. But we live in a, a tiny, tiny apartment. But, you know, I've got – it's all white and and slate floors, um, like concrete floors. So dirt and stuff like that shows up everywhere. Um, and and you, you can do it in an apartment. You can do it whether you work, whether you don't work, if you're old, if you're young. Most of these things take – you know, 30 seconds, apart from the food stuff, the rest of the stuff is actually really easy and really quick. Um, making the blush takes 20 seconds. Making the dry shampoo takes 20 seconds. You're just mixing something up. Same with all the spray and wipes, you know, you're putting some vinegar and some other stuff in a spray bottle and giving it a shake. Um, but but, um, like I said, one, one thing at a time, and I think once you've done the one thing, you'll go, oh, that works Sometimes things won't work for you. It's important to always remember that some of the ingredients in here, you know, you might be allergic to or you might not know if you're allergic to if you haven't started using, if you haven't used essential oils before. I mean, you'd know more about this the me, with being a naturopath, like um, to go easy with that sort of stuff, would you say, like essential oils if you don't know much about them?
0: Yeah, and most people who are sensitive to them know already because they've already come across it before
1: hmm, hmm. Yeah. yeah you so, know,
0: the old patch test never goes astray. Yeah. Inside the elbow, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just flicking through it as I talk to you. Honey and rose toner is another one of my favourite, favourite recipes. In fact, that's, that and the blusher are probably my two because they take so little time to make. So, a honey and rose toner or spritz, face spritz, um, is a teaspoon of raw honey and 10 tablespoons of warm water. Yeah. And then you can either add um, coconut oil if you've got dry skin or apple cider vinegar or lemon if you've got oily skin. And then a little bit of rose water or essential rose oil and you've got like one of those beautiful little spritz that if you buy from, you know, a fancy shop, it's gonna cost you what, twenty, thirty dollars? It costs a couple bucks. Yeah. Once you've got once you've invested in the essential oil, of course, that's your most expensive thing, but you can use rose water if you've got that in your pantry or, or rose petals indeed.
0: Yeah, and, and invest in a nice bottle, girls. Invest, yes. Invest in a nice jar, nice bottles because then when you use it, it, it feels extra lovely. It,
1: it still feels luxe, doesn't it? You know, it still feels luxury when you pull out a beautiful little brown amber bottle, spritz bottle that a dollar ten from a bulk plasdine shop or something like that. And, and you know, you, it still feels like you're pampering yourself or you've got something nice and luxury but you've made it yourself and you've got control
0: over it. Yeah, now, just a uh, community service announcement as well. Um, yes. Flick towards the end of the book, dear listener, and you'll find cocktails just letting oh, you know.
1: hello. the <laughs> well, most important, we should have actually spoken about that
0: first. Yeah, I um, the best bit. <laughs> the
1: best bit. You missed the best bit. Um, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I like a bit of booze. Um, and
0: <laughs> Is so that a granny skill?
1: I don't know. That's, that's a total granny skill, surely. I mean, surely that's how my nan survived five children. I mean, it must have been. Um, look, I've been running fermentation classes with my incredible cousin, Sam. He has a business called Gut Feeling and we always talk to people about kombucha and ginger beer. And... Um, when I go through phases where I don't want to drink the wine, all of the wine, um, I feel, still feel grown up drinking a bit of kombucha or ginger beer out of an adult glass, out of an adult wine glass, and yeah. <laughs> don't feel so much like a big loser. And it's still got that like little kick to it, so you still feel like it. So he taught me how to make it, and we put that in the book. Um, Things like shrubs and berry cordials but I've also got a citronello recipe in there which I love um, because I started thinking about what comes in gluts and oranges often come in gluts as well as just lemons. So um, I put um, oranges in with my limoncello recipe and it's absolutely delicious. Yum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yum. Oh, is it too early for us to have a drink? <laughs> <laughs> no. No.
0: Oh, it's is it midday yeah. where you are? No <laughs> It's not quite midday yet, so I'll have my lunch
1: and then maybe have a drink.
0: Just, uh, yeah. just quietly, just just in case you didn't know, um kombucha and gin together. Oh uh, really? Yeah. If
1: you didn't yeah. know, we'll yeah. try.
0: Yum. Yeah. You know, trust me, I'm a naturopath. so <laughs> <laughs> You need
1: a T-shirt that says that on it.
0: <laughs> I'd wear it everywhere.
1: <laughs> you? Absolutely. Or like one of those stickers on the back of your car. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, love really. it, love it, love it, love it. So, Rebecca, tell me, your new book, The Art of the Natural Home, it looks amazing. I, I have had a look through, as, as you know, and it's just gorgeous it's like every page is like you know instagram beautiful thank you um where can people grab it
1: so um the usual suspects have got it um book depository um booktopia amazon those places and then um all of your good bookstores as well but if they really um listeners really want a signed copy from me i'm happy to to do that too yeah. Um, so they can just get in touch with me um, and I can I can post them a copy if they would like one that way.
0: Cool. Where can people find you
1: and connect with you? I am, of course, Granny Skills on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, you are. I am. <laughs> Granny Skills on Instagram, um, all one word, Granny Skills with a space on Facebook. We have a beautiful little community. We like to share a lot of recipes and tips and pictures of our nans and things like that. Um, and I also have a beautiful, um, my partner is actually Aboriginal. So we founded our wellbeing brand called Wandu together probably two and a half years ago based off the back of this Granny Skills idea. Very sadly, Damien's um, grandfather was diagnosed with dementia, and we've been on a bit of a mission to protect his Indigenous culture and heritage and their elders' knowledge. So we now have a, a brand and we sell some food products and herbal teas and things like that, championing Australian native ingredients. So look us up there too. We're WANDU, W-A-R-N-D-U, on Facebook and Instagram. And WANDU means to feel good in Damien's language, so not just from a taste perspective but also environmentally and socially as well. So that's another another little um, project we're working on.
0: Uh, that It just all sounds so awesome, just, yeah, so bang on like, amazing bringing together the best of all the old stuff the best of all the new stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. making it hipster worthy for (laughs) everybody yeah come on you you were calling you you you're calling me out on that before i think this is pot calling kettle black
1: yeah i think you're right
0: (laughs) (laughs) now i can't let you go without asking one very important last question mate how do i get the labrador smell out of my rug oh my
1: gosh um bicarb <laughs> <laughs> you knew i was gonna say of it. course bicarb. you sprinkle bicarb and you leave it you know those carpet cleaner powder thingies that you get it, that's what bicarb is basically yep. You s- sprinkle it on there leave it overnight and leave the labrador elsewhere so he can't continue to make it smelly and just leave it and it, it, it should just absorb that smell
0: all right, I'll do it. I'm going to Give report
1: back. Go. I will report because if it doesn't work, we need to find another solution.
0: Yeah, maybe wash the Labrador. <laughs> maybe wash the Labrador. <laughs> that could also work. <laughs> I've got two of them. They gang up on me. What can I do? Oh, they do. I they do. Han, thank you so very much for spending some time with us today. I've learned so much. I'm so inspired. And, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep my little crochet blankie on all day in your honor. Thank you so
1: Enjoy. much. Enjoy. Thanks for having me. Jules, thanks a million.
0: Bye. Bye. Loved, 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 loved that frank, honest, and quite passionate chat with Rebecca Sullivan. I especially enjoyed all the tangents we went down, so I hope it made you smile too. Now, I haven't asked in a while, but if you could take the time to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, which is your iTunes app on your phone, I'd be super, super grateful. All you have to do is click search type in shiny healthy you click the picture of me where it says podcasts and then hit reviews and then all you have to do is write a review this will help us to reach even more people out there so won't that be awesome also don't forget if you want recipes freebies and heaps more straight talking natural health info head to julesgalloway.com and have a look around there now i'll be back next week in the meantime stay shiny and bye for now